0: Thank you very much, Dr. Tippen. Can we, uh, can we dim, dim the lights? I have put some slides together, and if you want to jot down the link in yellow there, it's a shortened web address or a shortened URL, wfryerme slash projectm for project management. And while traveling around the world and being a consultant may sound very glamorous, uh, let me assure you there are a lot of challenges, and I am not coming to you today as someone who thinks I've figured out <clears throat> a lot, but I have learned many things sort of the hard way, and I hope I'll uh, share some ideas with you that will be helpful, and what Mark asked me to do is really share some practical examples of how I've used project management, how I, how I continue to use it, and some of the tools. So, how many of us feel like jugglers mm-hmm. when it comes to our professional life as well as our personal life? I laugh that, you know, back years ago with technology and just the industrial age, we had these predictions of leisure time because we wouldn't spend so many hours washing clothes and doing these tasks. We were going to have all this time. And what's actually happened is it seems we have just filled our lives with more. Um, technology more work more tasks more complexity than ever before Um, we were just talking about doing email and having laptops I mean isn't it a dangerous thing To open up your email, no telling where you might go and how long something might take. We're gonna we'll talk a little bit about that in terms of the role email can play with project management and how I really think you want to get most of your project management work out of your email. And if it is an email, you want it hopefully in a system that ties it to your tasks and your milestones and things like that. Um, Anybody remember the song Kodachrome by Paul Simon? Mm I didn't know for sure if I was going to be able to plug my laptop in, so I, I don't have the the video and the music to actually play. But uh, who can give us the, the first line? You, you, can in, you, you, don't, you don't have to... Uh, when I think back on all the blank I learned in high school, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how that song starts. So Paul should have studied project management in high school. Uh, we all should have studied it. Did anybody study it? Was that a part of what you learned? I didn't. Did you you do projects in in high school? Some, perhaps. So hopefully we're having students do projects. And, you know, I work a lot with K-12 teachers and technology. And we have too much faith in our society in standards and and in testing. And I'm not going to go there today. But I do think as we as teachers, and how many of you teach? Do some of you have classes that you teach? and you know you're in the role probably of training others whether you're formally doing a class or not you have coworkers you've got project you know team members that you're with whether we did it in school or not today's the day to learn you know i look back on my education and i didn't have a marketing background i didn't have a business background i took one management class and i loved it i enjoyed it a lot and i've i've kind of <clears throat> whined to myself, oh, but I didn't study that in college. Oh, well, got to learn it now. So wherever we happen to be, project management is a good thing to study and a good thing to be practicing and working on because we can do it in different ways and... While I have not been formally trained, let's say, in Microsoft Project or gotten a certification in project management, I have definitely used it a lot, and I continue to try and learn more efficient and effective and, and timely ways to work with people, get work done, and hopefully be successful at the, the things that I'm involved with. So these are the little three areas that I'm going to talk about today today. And I, I have about 40 slides or so, which we may or may not, um, we'll probably get through them. But I, what I don't tend to do a lot of at this presentation, and, and Mark asked for, you know, time for questions at the end, we'll, we'll do that. And if you want to interject a question as we go along, um, Mark said I could have from 15 minutes to an hour. So I'm not planning to go past 1230, but um, we'll, we'll just kind of see how, how this goes. Um, I have had one of these jobs for the last... Five years—that is really hard to describe—and I have been an educational entrepreneur and a digital learning consultant. I, I didn't even know these pictures were online, but I spoke at a TEDx conference at OU in Norman about a year ago, and uh, it's—it it can be a hard and frustrating thing to be introduced as the IT guy because then people think I'm going to fix their printer and I really don't want to do that. Um, And, you know, people know that I go around and speak, but that is basically how I've made money is by going to conferences and doing presentations. I was in Montreal for a a conference um, on Monday in Canada. Um, I was in Ohio the Friday before. I've been traveling actually more this month than ever before. But that's about to change because I'm about to take a full-time teaching job that starts next Friday in Yukon in and uh, be a STEM teacher science technology, engineering and math. And I've worked a lot in Yukon the last year and a half with, with kids. But I have done these three things over the last since 2009, I moved to Oklahoma working for at and t uh, as a, um, what we called an education advocate and worked a bit for one of our local museums, and then launched out in 2009 to be independent. So I've done all three of these things pretty extensively for the for the last five years. And one of them is to organize conferences. And so this conference is called the K-12 Online Conference. I think we're in our eighth year. It started in 2006, and I've been an organizer for this conference since the beginning. And... Anytime we need to, to organize an event, I think you're going to look at a, the trip to Paris maybe l- later that, um, that uh, Dr. Tippett has been on uh, with his wife and with students. Anytime you organize an event, there's a lot that goes into play. Now, the unique thing about this conference is that it's all online. It is predominantly asynchronous, which means we don't get together at the same time on the same day. You can see the videos whenever you want. And it just, the full week of the conference started this Monday, and today was day five. And where you see these Google Map pins, those are the locations where the organizers live. I'm in Oklahoma City. Ginger Lumen is up in Hutchinson, Kansas. Susan Van Gelder is up in Montreal, uh, Quebec. Um, We've got uh, two folks in Arizona, um, Karen Fasempar and... Um, Peggy George, and then we have Jose Rodriguez, a a teacher in LA Unified, and we all carry this off for free. Nobody pays to go to the conference. Nobody is paid to organize. The only thing that we have donated is there's a company that gives us web space so that our website can be online, but we use three primary tools to get this conference, which Every year has over 40 presentations from folks around the world. They're about 20 minutes long. So these are the three tools that we use. Um, Of these, um, let's just do a show of hands. How many of you have used Skype? Anybody use Skype? Who have you called and uh, talked to on on Skype, for those of you that have used it? I don't make calls. We use it. at work to communicate with each other. Okay. And and you use text messaging as well as the... Um, All day long. And we do, too. The text (laughs) messaging feature of Skype is this running chat, Mm -hmm. which we have a group in. And if you weren't online, you can scroll back and see, you know, what 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 people people talked about. That's right. Why you weren't there. Why it wasn't going on. What people talked about. (laughs) Catch up. Right. Uh, What else? Anybody made calls somewhere with Skype? Where have you called? Uh, From Spain to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. And That was two years ago. That's time I used it, so I haven't used it very much. All right, but this whole thing of voice over IP, being able to use the internet, you know, and, and connect, and probably you had to do time zone stuff there to figure out. Okay, you know, is it the middle of the night? Is it the morning? And and that's probably made the the world is flat more real to me than ever is when we have to do these time zones. We had a organizer for this conference for a couple years in Australia. And so she would be at school on her lunch break and then we would forget that at night. But then daylight savings time comes in and, you know, you got to figure that stuff out. But it works. We've primarily done audio because Skype only recently has supported a multi-call video. But, you know, even doing the audio, there's a real magic to it. I mean, being able to... To talk and sometimes across the ocean, you think about those fiber network, fiber optic network connections and things. Um, anybody um, done other international calls to anywhere else? Yeah. To India? Yeah. To a family member or friend or, wow, anywhere else? Other? Peru and France. Peru and France. When you were over there or when no, you? I can't afford to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and have you done video as well as the. Okay. And the thing that's amazing with Skype is now, and it has been for a while, it's on our devices, like our smartphones. And so Skype will be the first thing. There's Google Drive. Anybody using Google Docs, which is now to Google Drive, uh, it's cloud-based. So that means the documents live on a server somewhere. And we've used that extensively in WordPress. So my little story about Skype isn't K-12, but I, I have traveled a fair bit. And this last August, I was in Chicago, and my wife teaches at Positive Tomorrows downtown. And I Skyped to her students from my phone from the river there in Chicago, as the water taxi went by and the kids are asking questions, and then in the Nike store, where there's all 38 versions of the Air Jordan, and we did a tour, and I held the phone down, and we went up the escalator, and there was an employee who had been to Bowling Green and on a scholarship who talked to them about staying in school. How crazy is that? And it was on the phone. So the fact that there is fast internet in Chicago, and it used to be you had to pay extra money to be able to do FaceTime or, or to do those kind of connections. And this, was, this, this didn't cost anything extra. My wife has a Windows XP computer in her room with a webcam, um, and uh, they're on the Internet. I have a phone. I would connect to the Internet. We're able to, to connect. But Skype has been the primary synchronous meeting tool that we've used. I've also done quite a bit with phone bridges. Not surprisingly, I worked for AT&T for two years. How do you think we met? On the phone. My boss, for two years, I only saw three or four times face-to-face. Twice we're on the golf course, you know, when we met for golf, and then we had some other meetings. But these kind of tools that allow us to uh, meet synchronously when we need to and then talk about... You know projects and, and how things are going, what our milestones are, what our deliverables are, uh, what our to-do and actionable items. It, it's, it's really important, and there are a variety of tools to help you do it, but Skype is certainly one of the most pervasive since it works on multiple platforms, and it even works on smartphones. The second tool we've used the most is Google Drive, and Microsoft is scrambling hard to try and, and catch up uh, with a lot of things, with the mobile you know, touch tablet experience, and then also with the cloud. Um, there are other folks who are doing this. Having used a lot of different tools, I really love how Google documents work. It's amazing, and you don't see it in this document, but to be sitting somewhere talking to folks feels like the phone, but it's on Skype. And you're seeing these cursors in different colors with other people typing, and we're working on this document together. I have three kids. My oldest is a sophomore in Oklahoma City Schools, and he was on the speech and debate team for several years. And I was on trips sometimes, and he'd say, Dad, can you help me with my speech? And we'd pull it up, and we'd work on it together. I'd be on the phone. But the ability for free... To have a collaborative document where everybody gets to see the current version. It's not like, oh, I emailed it to you and waited for revisions. Uh, Dr. Tippin's talked about dissertations. You know, that was something with the committee where you'd send something there and you'd wait and then you'd get it back. Well, somebody else had sent you. It was a nightmare. You know, my dream was let's just go to Google Docs. But when you're a candidate for a doctorate, you're not really trying to change the world. You're just trying to finish and get done. But that is hard with multiple documents and revisions. So I just strongly, strongly encourage if you haven't used a tool like Google Documents, and there's others as well, but um, it's phenomenal because... Just like we said the Skype chat, we can see what the chat was that we had. We'll always say our next meeting. We'd have assignments. You can have hyperlinks. If we wanted to, you could put pictures and things, but usually it's just text. And this is, I have now, since I have had this experience, used the same model for multiple organizations. I'm the chair of our parent-teacher association communication committee, so the PTSA communication committee for class and SAS downtown. And we have a Google Doc, and I put our notes in, and if people miss the meeting, they can see the notes. And this just kind of floats down. We're always putting new stuff on on top, and you can go back and see. It's a running record. No limit to how long this can be. I don't have to print handouts, and that's actually tough because not everybody brings a laptop. So I'll generally print an agenda, but all all that stuff is available to everyone. Comment or question in the back? I have a question. Yes. Um, um, the only question I have about Google Docs is if you're all adding at the same time, how do you keep it straight? So you see a cursor that's in color for the person who's typing, and it is possible if you're on the same line to kind of step on each other, but usually you just click to a different place and wait a minute and you know then click back in. The spreadsheet tool of Google is even better for multiple edits at the same time, Um, you can have like 50 people. I don't know why you'd want to, but you can have like that many simultaneously editing it. Generally, what I've used this for with a lot of people is you you choose how you share it. So we might share this read-only with everyone. This is actually just a private document, so there are six people that have access to it. But you can choose how you share it with email addresses And there's no limit to how many people can view it. But the editing simultaneously does have some limits. And it's just usually something where you'll just click away. It keeps a revision history. So you can click and see who did what. Like from a project as a teacher, okay, what's the hardest thing about working in groups when you get a grade? Bless you. Dividing the credit. Dividing the credit and figuring out who did what, right? So with this, you can say, oh, look. You know, Wes just logged in last night for the first time and he added a comma and a period. That's it. I mean, it'll even compare, you know, versions. But, you know, you, and, but the nice, even nicer than that is the fact that you don't have to fear losing stuff. Because if somebody accidentally deletes stuff and they can't undo it, you just go up to the file menu and say revisions and you can flip back to any of those revisions and compare them. So it's really, it's really a powerful collaboration tool, and I encourage you to think about ways we need to get comfortable with technology tools and find, I think, personal ways to do it. When are y'all going to do? Uh, are you going to do a potluck? I don't know if you ever do that, or maybe you do one for church or for a, a civic group. Uh, maybe you're going, doing a newsletter. You know, getting people's in, input can be a hassle as far as the versions and whatnot. So. A Google document can work in all kinds of ways. I really, really like it for committee meeting notes because um, number one it 's free number two i don 't have to make a lot of paper copies and i 've been in meetings where you know every time this has been more like church session it 's like we get a printed book i 'm like, how many trees did we just sacrifice you know for this stuff which I might not even look at in the meeting and i 'm definitely not going to be. Saving it forever. So it's green in terms of being ecologically sensitive, but it also helps everybody who's there become aware of this tool. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't realize we could collaborate like that. And whether you office just down the hall from me or you're on the other side of the planet, if we're online, we can go into the document and make changes and, and manage things uh, or you know, use it as a management tool for our, our project, and it's just very, very flexible. So, the third tool we've used the most is called WordPress. WordPress is a free content management system, which uh, is o- open source, and that means there are people all over the world, that basically hippies got together, and they wrote licenses to make stuff stay free, and they made this thing called the GPL license and open source. There is a company that supports it and updates it, and there is a way you can pay, but we have a, a free downloaded version, and this is the dashboard, so you're seeing the, the, the administrator side of this. But, you know, over the, since 2006, we've got 659 posts. We've had 4,417 comments. Uh, 4,379 have been approved. We've also got some spam we haven't uh, um, thrown away yet. And then we've got approved submissions. So we have this set up where people can submit their presentation and then we edit it and tweak it and schedule it to be published. So this is a great tool for a website. I was a webmaster for for five years at Texas Tech and the College of Education. One of the first things I learned as a webmaster is I don't want to be the single gatekeeper of content and information in this place. Because number one, that's going to make me really unpopular because there's no way I'm going to be able to get everything fast enough, and number two, uh, it does it just it doesn't trust people the way we should trust them. So if it's your area and it's your part, I want to give you rights to to update it and try to make that as easy as possible. And WordPress can allow you to do that in different ways. So um, a more local example of how we've used. All of those tools, but but one different, instead of Skype, is this EdCamp OKC. Has anybody heard of EdCamps before? They've only been going on about three years in the country. It's based on what's called an unconference model. Some some uh, have been called teach meets. Those happened in England. Um, there's a one called Bar Camp. Basically, you don't have an agenda when you go. You spend the first hour socializing and putting sticky notes up on the wall. What do you want to teach? What do you want to learn? And then you build a schedule and do it, and you have blocks. And so we did the first one in Oklahoma last February in Yukon, and we're going to do another one in February this next year. We haven't gotten it announced. But similarly, this was the organizer team all over the state of Oklahoma. We never met face-to-face until the day of the event. How did we meet? Google Hangout. We used a Google Doc to keep organized. We used a WordPress site, but then we used a Google Hangout. Has anybody used a Google Hangout before? This is basically Google's Skype. Who owns Skype, do you know? They bought them. Microsoft. Microsoft bought Skype not long ago. Maybe it was a year or so, two years, but they've they've bought them. And uh, Google has a synchronous collaboration platform. It's called Google Hangout. You can now do this not only on your laptop or desktop, but you can do it on your phone. A couple weeks ago, I was on a Google Hangout with teachers in Montana, and um, you know I was on my phone, and they're in Montana, and it was about to snow there, and it's crazy, crazy to be able to do that, free, and it works through Google Plus. So you have to join Google Plus, which you get when you have a Google account, and the amazing thing about Hangouts are you can record those, and they can be live on the Internet, too. So you can be live on YouTube for anybody to tune in and see what you're doing, and then you can have, I think, up to 10 people in the Hangout. So there are folks using this for all kinds of things, and we used it to organize the EdCamp OKC. So any comments or thoughts as far as conferences and some of those tools so far? Okay, let's talk about. Never heard of Hangout before, but that's pretty cool. It is, and it's even something you could do for a family event. I mean, if you're planning a family reunion, Mm -hmm. because you you don't have to share your camera if you don't want to. But um, it's a it's a good thing to be able to have that. Um, that, that, that face that connection you know, and so we 've done them before where some people won't, will, not, will choose just not to have their camera on, and you can be very distracted because they have these little features where you can put mustaches only on yourself. you can put fun hats um, pirate pirate eye bad you know cover eyes it 's silly, but uh, that 's kind of google there 's you know fun, but being able to do to use that platform, I have done quite a bit of video conferencing with like you know, our room was almost a hundred thousand dollars at the university when I was there for all the equipment. Most video conferencing units have tended to cost at least ten thousand dollars. The one in my living room uh, was seventeen thousand when it when, when Tanberg created it. And there's all these fancy systems. Oh my gosh, being able to open your phone, open an app. Call somebody else. I mean, we can do it with FaceTime. We can do it with Skype. And and this thing about multiple people, you know, together is really, it's huge. And it can change the way we work because we don't have to just use the phone. Uh, Oh, and I didn't mention this. In a Google Hangout, you can share the Google document. And so as you're at the bottom of the screen, you're seeing the people who are here in your call. And instead of, you know, seeing the person, it automatically switches the top picture to whoever's talking. But you can choose to share a document or your screen. And so there's commercial ways to do this. And I have drank the Google Kool-Aid. I love Google tools. And I'm, you know, I'm a pretty big fan. We could talk about privacy issues in Prism and the NSA. We, we could do that later. Um. Because there are, you know, there's reasons to be concerned about things. But um, these kind of tools being accessible to any of us who are online and have hardware, it's, it's really phenomenal. So that's a little bit about project management and conferences. I'll talk now a little bit about consulting. Uh, does anyone here receive spam, the, 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 the email kind? <laughs> Do you know what the percent of email sent globally is that is classified as spam now? Have you heard that statistic? What would your guesstimate be? Over half? Like definitely over 90%. And these are guesstimates. But over 90% of all messages sent today worldwide with email are classified as spam. Why is that? It's easy, and somebody's making money doing it, right? And people are clicking on stuff, and and then people are getting paid. Um, there was a couple in my parents' Sunday school class in Manhattan, Kansas, who got tricked, and they got an email that was looked like from an assistant pastor said, I'm in Nigeria, I'm in blah, 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 you know, I'm stuck, we don't have any options. They didn't call the church to say, hey, by the way, is pastor so-and-so there? No, they actually wired money, like a few hundred dollars, to the number in the email. So, how long have we had folks trying to pull the wool over our eyes and sort of trick us and sell us snake oil? Like, in the last five years that's happened online, right? No, it's pretty much forever. You think about the traveling circus or show and and Dr. So-and-so's cure-all, which was probably just all whiskey or whatever. I mean, there have been people trying to trick you into giving up your money, my money. So a lot of this is happening with spam. One reason is money. Another reason is hijacking our computers and taking over our computers. Um, there are lots of folks who don't run security updates and who have installed malware or bad software. So Spam is bad because it can trick us. It can allow other people to hijack our computers, which can steal our privacy information, steal our credit card. And <laughs> it sounds crazy, I and I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but have you ever heard of a botnet? You know what a botnet is? You could Google that. Botnets are millions, thousands, and sometimes millions of computers that hackers control, and they can cause those computers to send an attack, which just means a request to a web server. And this is how cyber warfare happens right now. The government's really increased the number of folks doing cyber warfare. Um, our government, this is like, it's classified and not official, but basically um, this destroyed uh, things in a reactor in Iran just a few years ago with a, with a virus that they had created. But <laughs> patch our, patch your systems. Okay, And my personal bias is, don't run a Windows machine, run a Chromebook or a Mac. Why? Because basically all the viruses are on Windows machines. We can't make that choice professionally when our organization is is running Windows systems, and so we're going to try to keep them secure. But here's the point about spam. You don't want to have your work for your project, this is my opinion, in your inbox. Why? Does anybody have inbox zero? Do you know what inbox zero is? It's when you have zero messages in your inbox, okay? Um, I'm going to recommend, before I show some tools, a video and a book. This video was shared at Google in what's called a Google Tech Talk in 2007. It is an hour long, 58 minutes long. It's called Inbox Zero. You can, you know, simply Google or go to YouTube and search Inbox Zero, and the guy who gave it is called Merlin Mann. I have tried, and at some time succeeded, but it's really, really hard to get to inbox zero, where there's nothing in my inbox. And a lot of people today use their inbox as a task manager, as, okay, I've got to do that, it's in my inbox. Now, there's not an absolute right or wrong way to do email or to do project management. There's going to be some general guidelines, but you're going to have people disagree My opinion is that Merlin Mann is on the right track here, and it would be really good to follow what's called a getting things done approach to email management and be able to get to inbox zero every day. How does that happen? Well, David Allen has a great book called Getting Things Done. Has anybody read this book? So this may change your life more than anything else that I'll say. Nothing I say probably will change your life, but reading this book could. Because this is called GTD, the the Getting Things Done model. And to just summarize it really fast, here's how he says you process your email. You scan through your email, and things that you could do in two or three minutes, you do it right then. You get it done, and then you either delete it or you archive it. You have things that you're going to then put off, and you're going to move those into some kind of a folder where it's going to be actionable, and it may be context-specific, and he suggests having different contexts if I'm at work or professional and things. And uh, you have a set time where you're going to go through and process your email. So I'm going to spend 30 minutes at the start of my day processing email. I'm going to get the things done that I can get quick. They're off and they're, they're, they're out of my box, and then everything else is moved over to an actionable folder that I'll go to, and then I'm going to process and work on that. And the other, other thing I think he says is, you know, turn the ding off. I mean, we're, we're affected by this with, with text messages now and with email, but it's like the tyranny of the immediate. We need to take more control over our workday and not, you know, just because the email came in doesn't mean we need to read it right now, we need to interrupt what we're doing. Um, So that book, Getting Things Done, and this video, Inbox Zero, uh, have they changed my life? I I struggle with this still, but I have definitely applied many of the strategies that they talk about, and it's part of what I continue to work on. And as I'm about to get a new inbox for UConn uh, as a teacher, this is my goal, Inbox Zero. We have a policy in Yukon that you have to respond within 24 hours to email. You need to check it at least at the beginning of the day and the end. And, you know, I have, I've been overwhelmed by email um, for a long time, so it's hard. But those are good resources. Um, what do you use for calendaring now? How do you all uh, schedule events and do calendar scheduling? Do you all use Out- Outlook Calendar? Personal. Okay. It's campus-wide system for special events. Is that tied into the Outlook system? Yeah. It's separate. Would you know what it is? Okay. Anybody use another calendar? Anybody use iCloud or something else? Google. Use a Google I'm calendar? Google. Okay. Anybody I use... It with others. I, I have a, a map that blends my personal calendar and Google with my work calendar so I don't miss yes. schedule in the event. What, do you, what app do you use? Uh... I picked it a long time I think it's G-Sync or something like that. Okay. So this is huge. We we need... One of the things they talk about in getting things done in inbox zero is we all need trusted systems where we take things like a to-do or a deadline and we put it in that system, and then our brain doesn't have to keep juggling it. If you don't have a trusted system where you can put stuff... Your brain has to try and juggle it all, and there's a limit to how much all, you know, each of our brains can, can juggle. So having a calendar that's reliable and that hopefully allows for interactivity where you know, people can accept events, etc. So um, I have used the iCloud um, Mac calendar for a long time. In the last year, i had been using some Google calendars. I just switched everything over to the Google calendar. Only in the last month have I been using this app, which is free, called Tempo. Tempo is a smart calendar for iPhone. And what it does is it pulls together everything from your calendar, your contacts, and your email, which it thinks relates. So if somebody's referenced in a meeting and you've got an email from them, it it lets you see that. The idea is to try to bring it together, bring together your... um, your information that sits out here in, in email and calendars and things like that. Um, has anybody used Basecamp before or another project management tool? I have done some work for a group called Educational Collaborators, and Basecamp is similar to Microsoft Project, sort of, but even I think it's more powerful. Um, an all-in-one solution for teams to manage projects. Now, this is true project management software. I can use my Gmail and my Google Calendar to manage projects, to set milestones for myself and to you know, apply a project management approach. But this actually has um, you know, milestones that you'll put in for your project tasks. You'll assign things. You can have reminders. Uh, you can have discussions on that. So the Educational Collaborators is, is all in for Basecamp. Um, they've got teachers all over the United States and some internationally, and they, they, we collaborate on different projects with schools, a lot of them doing laptop and one-to-one initiatives, and Basecamp is the tool that we use. The other things I've used as a consultant, anybody use TripIt? TripIt is free love this. I would I would have died this week or this month, maybe not, but I would have been really suffering a lot more without this tool. What this what TripIt allows me to do is anytime I get a confirmation for a hotel, for a flight, Um, I can forward it to plans at tripit.com, and it immediately um, goes into, if I already have a trip, goes into that trip, or it creates a new one, and it makes a schedule for me with when my check-in time is, what my flight number is, what my confirmation number is, and then I can add things to it and share it. So Monday I'm going to be flying to uh, Indiana, I think, or maybe Iowa, I'm not even sure. Uh, but it's here in my TripIt, and I can open that up, and it's just really a powerful tool for managing my travel, which is complicated, and I have to have numbers and contacts and things like that. You can advance to the pro version, which will let you like check in, Directly in the app and track flights or something, but I've, I've never paid for it, um, but I love it. I use a lot of tools like that that are free. The other one that's been transformational from a consulting standpoint is cloud-based invoicing. I have been using FreshBooks for over a year now. I've used different programs, and this is stuff like I'm not a bean counter person. Um, I really need bean counter people in my life. I need more of them in my life, actually. We're going to scan I think my wife and son are going to help me scan receipts tonight because I've got all these receipts, in, and I'm using neat receipts. I didn't even put that in here to scan in these receipts and create travel vouchers. But FreshBooks has been great because um, I don't have to worry about what operating system I'm using. I could be in a Windows computer, on a Mac. Um, it creates invoices it even does them recurring so I've had a few contracts where I need to bill people on a monthly basis guess what it does it automatically and the check shows up in my box it doesn't, that doesn't happen quite enough but it is a wonderful thing I have paid for this, and it's a small amount. And that's something to think about with projects for yourself and individually is like, is it worth paying for? Because every company kind of like to just have you just a little bit, right? Give me $5 a month just every month. You know, those add up, and you've got several things. Um, the last couple that I'll mention, um, I have. this is what I've been using for my task manager in the last couple months. It's called Nosby. There are a, a huge number of task managers. Anybody use a task manager of some kind to, to track to-dos and um, things that you? What do you use? Use uh, the tasks in Outlook. Okay, the tasks that are in Outlook and Google similarly has a built-in task manager too. Um, I think the best ones are web-based and app-based. So if you have a smartphone, I can pull it up. It shows me what to do. Also, some of these will follow the Getting Things Done model, which says a context, which means, like, I'm putting on my, my parent teacher, well, whatever, PTSA, my parent hat. What are the tasks I need to do for my communications committee? Just show me those. Okay, now I'm going to put on my professional work hat, and I'm working on such and such project. So I've liked this, um, and it's free. I've been using it free. The other one that I used for a while, and it's like I still have a bunch of stuff in it. It's hard to change your routine, right, your, your, your repeated behavior. I've used this one and do like it as well. It's called Toodle Do, and it has a, a website and um, an app as well. Um, but Nosby's the other one I've been using. Um, I'm going to mention two others Mini Moon has become do.com, that's D O.com. And a couple years ago, I'm wearing my Story Chaser shirt today, um, I was coordinating in the summertime about 20 different three day workshops all over the state of Oklahoma. For each workshop, we had to have two trainers. We had to have contact with the person we were hosting it. We had to make sure their internet filter was open for the websites that we were going to have. We had to order equipment from CDW. Oh my gosh. Talk about project management. And, and at that point, I went to a software program and said, you know, we got to have software to help with this. And I tried Mini Moon. They've now changed to this do.com. But I liked it and it was integrated in with Google. And again, like Basecamp, it has Projects, tasks, you make assignments, you have follow ups, you know, it can trigger email so that, you know, reminders hey, don't forget, you know, this Friday is the milestone for such and such. And then the other one I'll mention is Zoho projects. Google doesn't have a project like Microsoft Project in its repertoire of online tools but zoho does and zoho's like an alternative to google they have docs they have presentations they have spreadsheets it's all cloud based and so it's worth um, it's worth checking out what i'd encourage we were talking earlier in, in we do you know what baby duck syndrome is have you heard of that before it's like the when the baby duck's born and it sees its mama imprinting right it's my mama we tend to have baby duck syndrome with technology whatever we no, we've used the most, that's what we're going to. And it is hard to learn new systems. What I'd encourage you to do is you all look at project management solutions is make that a project. It's a project. Let's evaluate some of these different tools. Sometimes you'll have a system where you're committed, like, for instance, I think Oklahoma City public schools, they're a Microsoft shop, like, to propose something different there is like, you know, I don't know, it would be really a big deal to say, let's not use a Microsoft product. So there, I don't know if there's any changing their focus. But if you're in, I think, the enviable position of looking at options, do that together or form a subcommittee that will do that together and and look at Basecamp, look at Zoho projects, maybe do.com, and then compare their features because the one of the good things today with mobile devices is that people in the organization are are bringing their own devices, and so the the organization doesn 't have to like we would buy everyone a laptop we 're not always buying everybody a smartphone, and you know you have to have policies and all this to to um, Make sure this all works and people know what their data is, where it's going and stuff. But basically, if you can empower your folks to have access to their tasks, to their assignments, to their project information on their mobile device, on a laptop, on their desktop, and it's live and updated, I think that's a great thing. And there's multiple tools today that will will help you do that. Um, I really can't overemphasize how great Google Docs is. My wife, all of these are her lesson plans. She does lesson plans every day, and, and it's, an, it's a different Google Doc. Um, my daughter uh, was sharing something with me. so she's, This is my uh, 10-year-old. So She's got something called Stuff for Dad, so she puts links in there. My daughter, I helped her with a project about the Hiroshima book that they did for English. There's just all kinds of collaboration, and this is just with documents, but it's... Phenomenal to have that capability. There's no way I could be managing and helping facilitate these iPad digital storytelling workshops like I just shared uh, Wednesday in Yukon without Google Docs and without these kinds of cloud-based tools. So um, lastly, just a few things about web design. Um, I've been a web designer, but not, I don't know, I didn't get formal training in it, and I'm not a super, super artistic guy but I have learned how to make websites. And the reason I put Twitter up here first and then a users group that meets here in Oklahoma City and a conference called Confluence that's tomorrow down at the Lyric Theater is because the networks that we can be connected to can be huge in managing projects. All the time I run into questions I don't have the answers to. Sometimes I can ask somebody who's with me the answer. Sometimes I Google the answer, and in fact, I do that a lot. But there are many things that I can't Google, but I can ask people that aren't with me. They're like part of my team. So using social media like Twitter, for me and many others, has become tremendous for our productivity and even for project management because we're able to learn new things, not just what people share, but we put questions out there. Hey, does anybody... You know, is anybody working with project management software? What, what, what do you use? What do you like? And being able to get feedback. Um, who's read The World is Flat or listened to it? Anybody? Okay, well, here's your your, your homework that I won't take a grade on because I'm I'm done after this. Uh, you've got a sign right outside here where we got lunch that talks about the, the, the cheetah and the gazelle and everybody's running. You know, you get up, you're running. That, that's a quote that Friedman shares. This is a little old. Friedman writes for the New York Times and he's a... He's an author. But one of the biggest things The World is Flat talks about is outsourcing. And one of the things we all need to be doing with our projects is figuring out what makes sense to outsource. So I have used websites like freelancer.com to hire people and to get bids on work from around the world, not just here in Oklahoma City, not just here in the United States, but globally. Globally. A couple years ago in 2010 Story Chasers needed a logo and you can see the logo there in the corner. And we turned to a website called Crowdspring that I had heard about because we could post what we wanted, which was a logo and this is what we do. And we could get bids. And so 147 different designs were submitted by 43 different designers all over the world. We ended up paying $500, which is, you know, it's a good amount to pay. But you can pay a lot more than that, and you might have only seen a a few ideas. And we got to have all this feedback and star and rate these examples and, and ended up with one that we really like and that we're really proud of. The other one I commend to you in terms of design is called 99 Designs. You can also find some discounts and things for these um, that, are, that are online. But basically, you post what you want to have done, and then you'll have uh, low-resolution versions posted um, up to the web. I used guru.com a couple years ago when I needed the addresses and web addresses and names and phone numbers of 22 schools in Oklahoma that were doing a laptop initiative. They were part of a federal grant, but I couldn't anywhere you know, get that information. I didn't want to go to the web and do that, so I paid $20 for someone who bid it, and they spent, I think, a few hours and gave me a spreadsheet that had all of my information. I bid it out on um, on guru.com. So um, it is a different world. And if you want to see what a different world it is, check out websites like this. I had bids from India, from China, from Nepal, some from Oklahoma, but all over the place. And you look, it's kind of like uh, uh, eBay with their ratings, right? Because if they've done things before, people write recommendations and it's weird to be sitting there going, gosh, what would $20 mean in Nepal versus, you know, somebody in New York City or somewhere else? And so we live in a world where creative talent is, can now be global. And tools like this, I think, are really important to look, look at using. Sometimes if we work for, for instance, government organizations or our organization has rules, they may say things like, you have to hire a U.S. contractor. I have a friend who works for Dell and helps run their call centers and many federal contracts. They're right here in Oklahoma City because they can't route them to Panama or Monterey, Mexico or other places like that. But if you have some flexibility, this can not only save you money, it can help you get a better product. And this is how 21st century project management, this is an element of 21st century project management. Um, Last thing I think I'll mention is Evernote. Anybody use Evernote? This is absolutely one of my go-to, I have to use it, I, do, I use it every day, uh, web services and apps. Evernote is where I put notes, and I'm always taking notes. And the thing about putting my notes into Evernote is that it's searchable. My favorite example to show is fried chicken. This is a frivolous example, but I love fried chicken. So like when I go places, I'll ask people, where's the best fried chicken around here? So I can search my Evernote right now and tell you Great Fried Chicken in Memphis, several places around here that I haven't been to yet, uh, Atlanta. The point is it's searchable. You write it down on paper, not searchable. You digitize it, it's searchable, and that can help you be more efficient, and you can have notebooks and organize things. So just go to YouTube and Google Project Management. You're going to find a lot of videos. We live in an incredible day where... You know, you may or may not have taken a class on this in college. I didn't. But, oh, well, time to learn it now. And, you know, chances like this where we get together face-to-face are opportunities to learn. And then there's many other ways, um, especially with video, that we uh, we can learn and we can get additional ideas. So I hope some of these ideas have helped you with your juggling. It is hard to juggle everything that we have on our plate today, and none of us want to get burned. But um, by using different tools, and especially the, the getting things done by David Allen and that inbox zero, I think that we should teach that in every high school and every college. Like, we're not intentionally telling, helping people deal with email. We're just sort of assuming, oh, yeah, you can type, so you're good, right? No, no. <laughs> and, and sometimes, depending on your position, it can get so overwhelming so fast. So these are important skills. Um, you can get in touch with me. My uh, website's westfryer.com, and uh, we'll field a few questions. I've actually gone just over twelve thirty. Questions. Yeah, questions for Dr. Fryer. Dr. Fryer, I actually have one. Yes. You made a comment about uh, about uh, outsourcing. You know, collecting your data. Right. Okay. How do you what? Protocol that you use to uh, authenticate that data. In other words, somebody somewhere, you know, got the data for you. How do you know that's that's the real stuff? I spot checked it, you know, to try and. and because in that case, I, there were websites and things where people were going, so I spot I spot checked it. So yeah, I mean, what you outsource is going to depend on a lot of factors. I mean, there's some things that you're and, and data integrity and confidentiality is going to play into some of those things. This was public information that was out on the web, but hadn't been collected together, and so um, you know I I spot checked it and then you know went with went with it, but. Um, the whole thing about outsourcing and what pieces of it can we do. I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons why our job environment is so different now, is because a lot of companies, and I'm not saying that it's all good. I think there's a lot of negative that's happened as a result of outsourcing. And I hope our manufacturing base will come back to this country, particularly when China stops freezing their their currency to the dollar and it can free float and we're not artificially keeping the, the, the price of our of their import so low here. I'm not a great economist, but I think there's, you know, it's it's a whole dynamic thing that I don't fully understand, but I do know this. We would be silly if we don't look at opportunities to outsource, at least as a possibility, and, and compare them. Because, just like that logo example, there's no way we would have seen 147 different design options if we had just gone to a local designer that we knew here, which is usually how that works. Who do you know? And, you know, we might have gotten a great product, but there's no way we would have been able to look at all these choices. I didn't say this. The person who did it um, is in one of the former Soviet republics. I think they're in Slovenia. Like, there's no way we would have been hiring a Slovenian graphic designer absent these kinds of tools. So there are going to be issues with data validation and other, other things, but you know, just be aware that that exists, and then also think about your own time. Is it going to be worth my time? Time is money, right? Is it going to be worth my time to spend the hours that this will take, or could I possibly chunk this project up and take pieces of it and outsource that? It could be that you have you know, somebody who's an hourly employee that, that does that for you here, but it also could be something that you do um, electronically. As c- projects are more complex, the need for milestones and checkpoints, and I've got friends who are developing apps with companies they're hiring online, and it's, it's, it's pretty hard to, to do that management and all of that. But it's, it presents opportunities that you don't have otherwise as far as your, how you spend your time and how you spend your money. Other questions? I have one about this uh, guru.com. Yes. That's um, a, a site we can contact for um, data collection. Just about any electronic kind of thing. You know, we, we, and this is, it's interesting because like in the world is flat too, they say plumbers, their job, they're going to be okay. They're still coming to your house. People who cut your hair, you're still going to them, right? Right. But if it's an electronic task like data collection or verification or you need something moved into another database format, you're migrating something, all of those kind of things. There are companies, and especially in India and China, but other places too, who will do that and bid on it, and you'll have that range of of prices, and then you can work with them. And you can set up your project with milestones Especially for a bigger thing, you wouldn't pay everything all at once. You'd break it up into milestones and have pieces that you'd you'd pay for. But almost anything that could involve data, you know, you could have a contractor. And in some of those, you would have a contract, and there could be confidentiality things and stuff like that that enters in. But if it can be done on a computer by somebody here, probably can be be done by somebody in another place, and then that may or may not be a good fit for you. But guru.com and and hire a freelancer are a couple, and I've used Guru. So other questions? Dr. Farr, thank you very much. Thanks okay, you're thank welcome. You your thank you so much. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio-based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing Moving at the Speed of Creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States License.